Sunday edition of the Town of Love Basketball and Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hess, and with me as always, CM Punk apologist, Mike Regan. Mike, how are you doing this morning? It's the first time you gave me a nickname that I was 100% in agreement with. <laughs> These colors don't run, baby. Best in the world till I die. I'm doing great. It's early, which isn't my usual, the usual time where I'm functioning on Earth, but... It's yeah, all right. I, I had trouble getting out of bed this morning, too. That's weird. You're usually up at like 5.30 every morning. Well, yeah. I mean, I, my alarm went off at 5 o'clock, but I didn't get out of bed until 5.15, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rough morning, you know? Hmm. Rough morning. Well, like I said, this is a basketball and hockey podcast brought to you by the same geniuses who brought you such articles as the NHL season as brought to you by Letterkenny. Yes. So, Mike, I figured, uh, figured today we could talk about some basketball and hockey. Want to... You want to start with hockey or basketball today? What are you feeling? I'll start with basketball because we started with hockey the last two weeks. All right. So in the world of the NBA, just got a couple of news items to clean up before we, we talk about the real important stuff going on in this world. First off, Mark Cuban currently slated to sell a majority stake in the Mav to the Adelson family, which is notably one of the richest gambling families in the world. They own some casinos. I think they partnered with Mark Cuban, not Mark Cuban, I I... What the hell is the Raiders, kid? Davis. Yeah, Mark Davis. Partner with Mark Davis on building Allegiant Stadium. So he's selling a majority stake in the Mavs there. There's some speculation, Mike, that this could mean a move to Vegas for the Mavs, which seems like a mistake to me. Meh. I don't think it's... I mean, wouldn't you rather just add an expansion team in Vegas, man? Like, the league can support 32 teams right now. Look at how fucking stacked it is. I definitely think there's like the talent pool to do that, but I thought, why did I think there was another team that there was scuttlebutt about them relocating that I heard the other week? What would be the most likely team to relocate? Uh, maybe it was the Mavs, and I just forgot that part of it. Charlotte? And it might have been Charlotte. I feel like there's always talk about that. Yeah, because Jordan sold them to pay for his gambling debt. <laughs> A lot of gambling with these NBA owners, eh? Every time, uh, every time Jordan makes any money, I just assume it's to cover gambling debt. Props to Cuban for nailing the uh, South Park strategy from their uh, Kickstarter episode, where their their four steps are start up, cash in, sell out, bro down. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I could, I had no idea what you were talking about until you said the bro down part. Yeah, he fucking nailed it. And uh, I don't know, this could be big for Indiana University basketball. Could be big, Jim. Why Indiana University? Is that where Cuban went? <laughs> Yeah, you got a degree from there, and now I've been listening to some podcasts that are like, oh, this could maybe increase their NIL fund, you know? Cuban's going to show up with billions of dollars to make <laughs> University of Indiana Hoosiers a football powerhouse. Well, he's also getting richer in another sense because he's leaving Shark Tank, so he's going to stop investing in dumbass ideas all the time. Oh, he's leaving Shark Tank. He's leaving Shark Tank. Is Cuban dying, or is he just going to Mars? Maybe, I feel like Cuban's an outspoken billionaire. And maybe he's just getting older and he's like, I'm just going to, you know, go back in the distance and relax and keep making yeah, money. He's, he's, but he's like the tier below, like the Elon Musk, Richard Brandt kind of mm -hmm. category of people where he's like, the world is doomed, but he's not building rockets. That's what I'm saying. Like, is he going to Mars? He also famously a few months ago said, like voted for considering uh, expanding the league. And then right after the vote, did an interview where he said he regretted voting for that because it'll be a nice payday for the owners when teams have to pay the expansion fee. But after that, 
all of this wealth the NBA is dragging right now is going to be distributed more thinly across 32 teams instead of just 30. Yeah. So maybe he just sees the writing on the walls. He's selling out the peak before the NBA comes crashing back down to earth. I also, um, I will say, I'm going to miss Cuban as a, a, an owner in the sports world. He's a good owner. I like Cuban. Because he, he, he wasn't like scared when he had an opinion to say something, which is always nice. And uh, he, he was always like, you know, on the sidelines, or not on the sidelines, but courtside. And he was into the games and he was passionate, but he wasn't like Steve Ballmer coked up levels. Yeah, I was going to ask, would you miss Ballmer if he left? I would miss Ballmer if he left too. Kind Ballmer's of, yeah. a spectacle, man. It's fun. He is. You like, watch a Clippers game and you're like, eh, Russell Wilson units on the floor. I don't really care that much. And look up to Ballmer who looks like he just did like the Scarface mountain of cocaine. I think there's ever been a game where Ballmer's like over there just like going nuts and fist pumping and then Bill Gates is next to him just all like, like skittish and like <laughs> well bill gates has like twice as much money as balmer so uh, he buys yeah, he, around <laughs> yeah he, he can, he's the one bullying balmer around yeah speaking of the mavs though last night last night was a night for the mavs man so mavs okc was last night first off congratulations luka Doncic, brand new father had a kid two days ago nice mavs okc last night mavs are down 24 points in the fourth quarter they come back on a 30 to 0 run 30 to 0 run and still lose 126-120 oh no that feels so much like a like last season mavs thing to do yeah when they missed the playoffs yeah to preserve their pick which they got Derek Lively so good call mavs good good call mavs Doncic had 36, 15, and 18. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've been somewhat of a, a live tractor, especially on the, the town alone league pass watchability rankings mm-hmm. of the Mavs. They're not fun to watch. They play a little bit too much your turn, my turn. But Luka Doncic is a fucking star, man. That guy can play some basketball. He also got into like a screaming match with the ref after the game was over. Because the ref called him for a travel. <laughs> I mean, they have to call travel at least every once in a while to give that the was, illusion. That was his complaint. He was like, he, in the post game, he was like, yeah, it was a travel. But like 95 people do that exact move a game. And he didn't call it till there was a minute and 20 seconds left in the game. Right. <laughs> call it when it's like halfway through the second. You know, don't wait to the pivotal moments to all of a sudden be like, you know what? Yeah, we got to crack down on this traveling thing that everybody <laughs> does. All right, like the other thing that we have to clean up here before we get into the real business, is you texted me earlier and said that you had a Jimmy Butler comp. I mentioned it when we were on Discord. I don't know if it was while we were recording. If it was, you probably cut it from the Thursday pod. But, and you're such a smartass. So you put in our rundown, like, sick Jimmy Butler comp. <laughs> and it's more just like a passing comment. But uh, on a episode of the Simmons pod last week, which I'm sure you maybe listened to, he had some dude on from SiriusXM to talk basketball. And this isn't important to my comp comparison but he uh this guy from like this xm show was a mystery to me because he had like he sounded like he was super old but then some of the things he was saying weren't super old man takes it was bewildering (laughs) anyway uh simmons said that reggie miller's like superpower was that he carried himself like he was just as good as the other players best team and the second he said that i was like oh that's that's what jimmy butler does that that's what he does that's all for me. That's always been Carmelo. Like 
if you ask Carmelo who was the best person from that draft, he would still say he was. Despite going number two behind LeBron. Yeah. God damn it. If it wasn't for LeBron, I could really stick my flag in the ground and be like, he's right. It's true. In oh, your lifetime, Wade. where does Carmelo rank as an NBA player? Ah. Uh, I mean, they put him in the top 100 a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like, I think he's top 50. I think he's top 15 in my lifetime. Wow. Oh, in my he's, lifetime. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not all time. Yeah. In your lifetime. Yeah. He's definitely up. He's definitely like, yeah, I think he might be in my top 15. He's my, my, like, my number one Nick of all time, even though he didn't really win anything. But how many Knicks can say they did win something? Yeah. I mean, how long until Jalen Brunson passes him, though? Coming up fast. It would have been Obi. Obi would have passed him, but we, we sold on him too quickly. Yeah. Now he's, he's, he's playing in, uh, the in-season tournament knockout game. But I think, I feel like Butler does the same thing where he like comes out there and he's like, I'm just as good as, as LeBron. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Jimmy, you're not. Yeah, he, de- he definitely thinks he is. Yeah. It's that, and that guy must do so many fucking burpees. That's what he equates it to. He's like, I got in the gym at 5.30 this morning and worked for seven hours, so I'm just as good as LeBron and Luca. Yeah. Well, he's definitely working out more than Luca. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. That okay, like uh, once again, Mavs OKC. It was a fun game. It was enjoyable yeah. when, when the the Mavs were like eighteen, nineteen points into their thirty and zero run. It was one of those like, fuck, man. If I wasn't watching this game, I would have regretted it. It was just unreal. But in the fourth quarter, Luca was like on defense, just like standing a- away from everything. He's like, yeah, you you guys do your thing. <laughs> I gotta I gotta take a breather. That guy has worse cardio than me. Yeah, I told you he's got he's got like. Guy who goes hard at the YMCA look when he plays. All right, Mike, with that, big news. The big news of the week. The thing to talk about right now. Huge. Group stage in the NBA's inaugural in-season tournament is over. It's time for the knockout rounds. Night one of the knockout rounds, which take place in Vegas, I think. Or maybe the next round takes place in Vegas. Can't remember. I, I will say. The NBA's biggest problem with the Zin Season tournament is it's impossible to explain to someone else. It's impossible to explain to me, and I cover basketball. This podcast, plus my League Pass watchability rankings, plus the basketball I watch for those things. I am consuming basketball content like 20 hours a week. Yeah. And I still sometimes get tripped up on the in-season tournament. So that's part of the problem with the in-season tournament. But that being said, in-season tournament, rousing success, went over great. Players played hard. The games were competitive. It was a lot of fun. Night one of the knockout round is tomorrow. And we have an Eastern Conference matchup and a Western Conference matchup. Eastern Conference matchup, we have Pacers at Celtics. I'm sorry, Celtics at Pacers. I have that written down backwards. First, I wrote about this in my lead pass watchability rankings. I had to double check that to make sure. It feels so weird that the Celtics have to go on the road in the first round of the knockout round, but it's because they're a lower seed. They went three and one and the Pacers went four and zero in group play. The previous game these two teams played against each other was the biggest margin of victory this season. Celtics won 155-104. Tyrese Halliburton was out for the game, but still. Going into this game, the line sitting at Celtics minus 5, over under 236.5. That is like an instant over bet, right? Like, when's the last time a Pacers game has gone under 236 total points? They had that game against Atlanta like a week and a half ago that went over 300 points. Over 300? Yeah. Each team was over 150. In regulation, over 150. 
No one plays defense in this league anymore. It's fucking embarrassing. Well, especially not the Pacers. The Pacers <laughs> allowed the most points in the NBA and are somehow like solidly the fifth seed in the East right now. I think they're the sixth. They're solidly in the playoffs. They're not yeah. a play-in team. So, Mike, you, you got any thoughts? Pacers um, at Celtics or Celtics at Pacers? God damn, I wrote that backwards and now I'm going to just keep fucking it up. <laughs> no, I'm... Uh, I mean, obviously it seems like a foregone conclusion that the Celtics are going to beat the Pacers, but I don't know. Pa- Pacers are frisky. Pacers are frisky. I'm a Tyrese Halliburton guy and an Obi Toppin guy, even though he's not doesn't have the biggest impact on the Pacer games. Pacers just to me seem like a weird team that could end up winning this thing. That would be so much fun. And that would be even more of a success for the in-season tournament. I'm sure mm-hmm. ideally the NBA, if they were going to rig things, they would get a Lakers Celtics final. But the what makes this in-season tournament interesting is that a team like the Pacers could just go on a tear and win the whole thing. Or the Kings could go on a tear and win the whole thing. And that would be super fun. It's like, I mean, it's not quite the same level, but it's like rooting for like a 10 seed in the March Madness tournament. Yeah, the only downside, like, let's go off on a tangent. I feel like the downside, like the underdogs in the March Madness tournament is eventually you get to the round where it's just like an extremely ugly game where they get bodied by 45 points. You're like, why was I excited about this? I don't, I don't remember. Well, hopefully, that won't happen at any point during the season tournament. I do hope the Pacers at least keep it close. I could easily see the Pacers covering this minus five spread and hitting the over. Mm-hmm. That being said, if this game hits the under, it's because the Pacers get absolutely blown out of the building. Absolutely. Uh, why do I always forget Buddy Heald's on the Pacers? I don't know. That is super weird because he's been there forever. Has he? Yeah, he's been there so long. Yeah, always just escapes my mind. I, I, it's probably because when someone says Pacers, I'm like, yep, Halliburton. Just him. He's on the t- Which he's is on the even weirder because Halliburton has been there less time than Buddy Heald. This is like, what, his like, third season, I think? Yeah, because he got trade he got traded in this bonus trade. Might even be the second season there. Let's see. Second full season, I think you're right. Yeah, it's hard to remember things, man. I'm sure that happened at some point, you know? Well, it definitely did happen at some point. You're accurate in that statement. I can't argue. Uh, oh, you know what? Buddy Heald has... I, I guess Buddy Heald was part of the Sabonis trade. Oh, God. So they've been there the same amount of time. February 8th, 2022, Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, and Tristan Thompson were traded to the Indiana Pacers in exchange for Justin Holliday, Jeremy Lamb, Demonis Sabonis, and a 2023 second-round pick. Hindsight? Who won that trade? It's, it's kind of even. Kind of. I mean, the Pacers really got... To like solidify a team that works, Justin Holiday, I think, is still on them team. Maybe he's on the Pelicans now. But Sabonis and and Fox had that crazy light the beam run last year. And now, I mean, Sabonis is good, but Malink Monk has almost supplanted him as the guy I trust the second most on that team. You know what? We're talking about him anyways. Let's talk about the other fucking game on night one of the season tournament: Pelicans yeah. at Kings. I'll be honest, Mike, I kind of ripped this one apart on my, my League Pass watchability power rankings. Yeah. I think the Pelicans are boring. Zion is not peak of his power Zion anymore. Like, his, his career is already going to be worse than we thought it was going to be. It, it's like a foregone. It doesn't matter what changes. He's not as explosive. He still is, like, able to score at will, but it's just not 
is not the same as it was a few years ago, man. And he's never going to get in shape. That's not coming. He's Shaq. But Shaq in an NBA where people are draining threes like nobody's business. I still am a big fan of Brandon Ingram. They're getting CJ McCollum back for this game. But I just, I just, this Pelicans team is just boring, man. And as, as much as the Kings team's fun, you know, Darren Fox has ascended. He's probably going to be a, another All-NBA guard this season. One clutch player last year. He's a 26-point-a-night guy, easily. He started to have a consistent jumper, too. But whoever wins this game, I expect to be sacrificed to the winner of Lakers-Suns. If one of these teams manages to beat Lakers-Suns, that's going to be a hell of an underdog run. I do agree. Like, I don't even think, to go to the boring Pelicans point, like, there's not a team that's on my, like, list of, oh, I got to watch that Pelicans game tonight. Like, if you're not yeah. a Pelicans fan, it's just not, like, what speaks to that is they're, they're 15th in points per game, 12th in rebounds, 13th in assists, and 16th in opponents' points. Like, they're just right down the middle and everything. Yeah, that's that was literally my point on my League Pass watchability rankings here. I'm pulling them off real quick because I had, I had some other stat on here that I liked. Uh, Pelicans are 9-9, or were 9-9, through 18 games. Their coach, through three seasons as the head coach, is a tick under 500. And they're currently sitting at 16th in offensive rating and 17th in defensive rating. 15th in net rating. They're just such of an average team. Mm-hmm. Boring. It, Boring. It's, cra- it's crazy, though, to hear. And I'm not saying I, like staunchly disagree with it but it's it's crazy to hear in his third year in the nba that we're like already saying zion is not peak of his powers anymore yeah it's It's just that that draft looks more and more like uh no one won it kind of draft right yeah when it it thought like oh whatever team gets zion is getting a franchise generational player for their team uh you know and then his shoe exploded and his, his final year in college, and or not his final year, his only year in college, and everything uh, went to hell. He, I, you can't be a like top guy on a team and like an offense, like, like one of the top guys in the league, if you don't have oh, a yes. three point shot. Um, Giannis. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Do you think Giannis takes more threes a game than? Zion? Zion's currently at 0.2 three-points attempt a game. Uh, Yeah, I would guess that Zion probably takes more threes a game than... Or uh, Giannis takes more threes a game than, than Zion, then. Yes. I don't have the numbers in front of me because I'm editing the format on this article real quick while we record a podcast. <laughs> but I, yeah, so if, it, I was, if I was a gambling man, I would 100% gamble on Giannis on that one. Yeah, because Giannis will have those nights where they're playing like uh, some like trash team and they're up by twenty and he'll fuck around and chuck up some threes. <laughs> yeah, Just or sometimes he'll practices. he'll walk into them in transition sometimes when he's feeling himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. I reformatted that the tweet in this article so it's not way over pushed to the right. Uh line on it, Kings minus four and a half over under two two hundred and thirty-three, which somehow the over under in this game is only three points lower than Pacer Celtics. When the Pacers yeah. have three hundred and fifty point games on the season. Yeah, I I mean it's the Pelicans who won't be able to keep up their end. Hit the over there, right? 
Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, yeah. the Pelicans score. It might end up hitting the over. Who knows, man? This season. Yeah. Yeah. That. All right. I guess night two, Tuesday, December fifth. This is probably the bigger headline one. Got Knicks at Bucks. The Knicks probably don't have the scoring to keep pace with the Bucks right now, but Brunson dropped to forty bomb last time, so we'll see. Line sitting at Bucks minus six, over under two hundred and thirty three. What's your uh? How confident are you feeling about this game, Mike, as uh, our resident Knicks fan? Um, well, you know, up to 12 and 7 on the season, starting to feel a little better. I don't know if I'm ever confident. <laughs> I go from my Knicks, there's no middle for me. I'm either super confident that we can beat anybody in the league after we win like two or three games in a row, or I'm just like, oh, we're total dog shit and we can't, we can't beat anybody. But, I agree. We can't keep up off like offensively, so I'm not very confident. Like, we're just so bad at putting up points, and like our our assist production is still terrible, which is weird because Brunson's like a true point guard. Yeah, you'd I don't think you'd think that the team would have more assists with him. I mean, I get it. Like, R.J. Barrett kind of stops the ball and takes a shot. Randall does. Rand- Randall dribbles the air out of the ball and then bricks a three. But he's, you think with with Brunson, they would there would at least be like, like he seems like a guy who should be averaging a double double, right? Like he should be averaging like twenty three and eleven. Yeah, I I don't know if it's due to the poor shooting. Like, there's probably a part of it that ties into that, like the poor shooting, and we struggle to put up points. So Brunson is just shooting more and not moving the ball around. But they go hand in hand. Like we have to move the ball around better. In order, like one is going to lead to the other. We can't just lay into playing ISO and people trying to do it all by themselves. It's just not going to work. So, not to like dissect the Knicks. That's not the point of this. But uh, what are what are the the lines on this game? Bucks minus six, over under two thirty three. I think that's an under. It's also the biggest spread somehow, which is weird because I don't think that these two teams have the disparate talents that. Mm-hmm like Pacers Celtics do. And I get it. Pacers can score. And there's an argument to be made that Tyrese Halliburton is the second best player in the game. But the Pacers are a six seed in a week East. And the Celtics are the one seed in the NBA. Yeah. Like, it, is... it, it just seems weird that Knicks Bucks is a six point line. Like I, I guess they're really relying on the Bucks scoring to be dominant here. Mm-hmm. But the Knicks are going to kill them on the glass. They've killed everyone on the glass and the Bucks can't rebound as it is. No, it's just weird for a team that has like Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Yeah, but they, they don't have anyone to box out anymore now that 33-year-old Dame Lillard's on the perimeter. True. They have Giannis Lopez, Bobby Portis. Mean right hook, that Bobby Portis. Knocked Miritich straight <laughs> out of the league. <laughs> so one of these days, Miritich, one of these days. I also love that Bobby Portis was somehow one of the guys playing in the FIBA World Cup this year. Like, everyone is always like, oh, Paolo Bancaro and Anthony Edwards and Austin Reeves, but no one ever is like, and Bobby Portis and Jalen Brunson. Yeah. I think those guys deserve some credit. They were out there fighting for America. I think Bobby like Portis deserves fat credit. cats in Washington. Yeah. I, I guess it, it hurts your rebounding when... Giannis is like your top scorer, and so how 
much is he going to crash the glass defensively when he wants to get the ball and start moving up court or start moving in transition once like Lillard has the ball. I mean, it makes you think he might not crash the boards as much as you'd ex- one would expect. But yeah, I mean, Giannis Lillard, that combo has been getting to, has been together more and getting going. So I don't see any, sorry, Nick, I just don't see any chance in hell unless, yeah. well, no, cause these, these games still count. It's just the championship game that doesn't count towards. They all the, count. The championship game counts towards your record. Yeah, I thought the same thing, but Zach Harper on the Athletic Basketball Show said that it does count and that every team has like a vacated 82nd game that they don't have an opponent scheduled for so that they can, the NBA can schedule that last second. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. It's weird. like, Like I said, it's a bad sign when people who consume as much sports content as we do and... I literally write a weekly article about the NBA Yeah, when we're still like, I think maybe it's, you know, like this kind of, sort of not a good sign. Like that's, that's what the NBA kind of needs to clean up about this. It needs to be easier to understand. Yeah. I guess this will be more of a conversation next week, but I expect it to be back next year since David, uh, silver. It's not David silver, Adam silver. <laughs> I combined, <laughs> I combined David Stern and Adam silver. It's a one commissioner. Uh, I'll definitely want it to be back next year because he's put so much like effort into trying to make this a, a big thing. But next year they'll be able to do a lot. Like I feel like we've learned a lot this year of how we can clean this up, make it make sense more. Maybe not go like the soccer out and space out the game so much. Yeah, yeah, that's been the main ar- argument. Just mush all the games together in like a two week span. Real quick yeah. though, before we start talking about what worked and didn't work, I do. What, we have one more game just to hit here real quick in the the knockout round. Suns at Lakers. Uh, I've deemed this the old man bull. This, in my opinion, is the test to see if players really care about this tournament. If we get LeBron, AD, and Kevin Durant all playing in this game, I think that that's like a huge win for Adam Silver. Currently, line's in Lakers minus two, over under, lowest of the tournament, 223 and a half. Which makes sense. These are these are our, our slower teams, lower pace teams. Lakers should not be a slow pace team. They have they have Anthony Davis and LeBron. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's true. Oh, you just some of the young guys. Oh, they don't have. I, yeah, there, I, there's no one. There's none of the young guys in my head are like. Well, that guy's an explosive athlete. Like I guess Rui Hachimura. That's his whole shtick. But mm-hmm. he's hurt right now. And you have like. Like Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. I was gonna say Mo Bamba, who's like their eleventh man. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they they have like a, a lot of guys that are, are half court offense kind of guys. Malik Beasley, Torian Prince, all those guys are. Yeah. They're all like half court guys. Is Beal still out? Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see if there's an update on when he'll be back. If you wanna, if you wanna talk about Lakers Suns a little bit while I look this up, that's ridiculous. Not ridiculous that he's out. That, that makes it sound like I'm like shit talking for being hurt. <laughs> like it's something he can control. This is ridiculous. Uh, this is the Frank Vogel revenge game, by the way. Oh yeah. I I I would like to know the career record. LeBron versus Vogel. 
Well, I could tell you that when it comes to who got to keep their job, it's currently 1-0 LeBron. Yeah, well, LeBron, you know, as everybody says, he's the shadow GM. He pulls all the strings. He's the puppet master. So, Which kind of goes to show that LeBron might not be a very good GM if he ever decides to go into the field. I mean, every, like year, every year on the Cavs, and it feels like every year on the Lakers, especially last year, they come to the trade deadline, and they just do all this shit. I don't. I mean, I don't know how much LeBron's LeBron's really affecting it, but I mean, when you have a star like him, you know, GMs are kind of like telling him, like, "Hey, we're looking at doing this," and if he just kind of like non, like with very little energy, is like, mm, "Okay," and I'm sure they're like, "Nope, never mind, can't do it, can't do it." I'm trying to make sure that Devin Booker's going to play. No real update on Bradley Beal. Um, but Booker's currently, he's dealing with an ankle injury right now, so I'm trying to see if there's any update on if he's going to play his last game. Oh, okay. He played yesterday. We're good. What is the Beal injury? I can't remember. Yeah, they said lower body. It's very... Oh, they're doing maybe hockey. Maybe it's back. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> doing a hockey injury. The only um, article I could find was Frank Vogel and Eric Gordon both just being like, yeah, he's making progress. So no, no timeline yet on his return. Okay. Yeah, and I do agree. Adam Silver, I wonder if he's calling these teams and he's like, do me a favor. I just need LeBron and KD to play 48 minutes in battle. Yeah. We need the ratings. I need this to go out with a bang. Make yeah, it like, happen. If, if they decide to sit Booker and Anthony Davis for this game, I think the ratings still do okay. If LeBron or Kevin Durant sits, or especially if Kevin Durant and Devin Booker sit, it's going to be like the first 15 minutes people will watch and then everyone's going to go tune out and do something else with their night. Would you say? I would. Not, not related. You would say. Oh, you would say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would say. He would say. <laughs> Since Durant entered the league and then like hit his prime, which was like three years in the league and ever since then he's just been a monster, arguably since the second year in the league. Like, Is that one and two? Like two best players in the league until yeah. LeBron started to slow down a little bit? I like in the Durant career, right? It's been LeBron and Durant one and two, and Steph Curry battling for that number two spot, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, like when LeBron started to slow down, other guys have kind of usurped that, you know, Jokic, Giannis, guys kind of in that tier. God, that's hard. Like from 2007 to now, who has been the second best player in the NBA, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry? Kevin Durant. Really? You think so? Yeah, he's just more... Curry has more rings. He has more MVPs. He has more scoring titles. Yeah, but Curry can get a ring and when Curry they had the... the game. Curry couldn't get a ring when they had the uh, greatest regular season in history, and then Durant had to come in and save him. Win two rings with Durant. But Curry did win a ring when his second best player was Andrew Wiggins, so... Similar to, like, LeBron is that Durant can come and do a game and just be like, all right, Tonight is one of those nights, and like at will, he can just take a game over. Yeah, and Durant's Durant's better on defense than Curry is. Not to say Curry's bad on defense, just Durant has like the God-given length to be good on defense. But Curry can come into a game and take it over too. I think yeah, it's true. I think Durant. I don't. This may sound. I also love that you're like (laughs) you're like they had to bring in Durant to win a title. Name name a time that Durant has won a title without Steph Curry. Go ahead. Oh wait, yeah, (laughs) this is true. I really I let you that. have that for a second. For a second, I was like, yeah, you're right. He <laughs> did bring Kevin. Uh, I feel like Durant, we, we, t- we take him for granted. 
like we take Durant for granted. Taking for Duranted. Yeah, and maybe it's because I did that tankology uh, on him and and Westbrook, and just going back and looking at his uh, Thunder career, it's like, God damn, that dude was just even then like top five player in the league and just a monster. Yeah, what he did. I mean, uh, this week he just got into the top ten scoring all time. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he got into the top ten on a game they lost. Fun fact. Hmm. All right, Mike. Back to the the in season tournament here, real quick. Just sorry, uh, I keep taking us off. I'm sorry. To, to just kind of kind of ran out of some stuff. Current odds to win the in season tournament: Celtics uh, plus three thirty, Bucks plus three fifty, Sacramento nearly five to one, Phoenix six to one, Lakers six to one. Then Knicks, Pelicans, and Pacers are all longer than ten to one. You like any of those yeah. bets? I think it makes sense that they're the heavy heavy favorites, Celtics and Bucks. Well, I guess not super heavy because the Kings aren't crazy like wildly behind them. Uh, so for a value standpoint, I don't know if I take that, but you look at like a, like a Lakers at plus 600, a Suns at plus 600. I like that. And then if you just want to have fun and go with like the longest odd and go with the Pacers, I mean, in a one game scenario, who knows what could happen. So, like I mean, in a single elimination scenario, yeah, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, in a single elimination Because I was like, like, well, there's at least three games, so. Yeah. I mean, Pacers get hot, and they pull it out, like, plus 1,700. I like that. Like, I'd throw, like, one, like, you know, 10 bucks on that just for, for funsies, and because I'm a uh, Halliburton stan. Yeah, I personally like Lakers 6-1 to one because they have the same odds as Phoenix for some reason. Mm-hmm. And if you just bet the Lakers against Phoenix, they're you're currently paying a vig it's minus 126 so if you want to bet the futures market on this i would take the lakers because they're getting better odds than phoenix relative to single game price and i think that whoever wins that game probably goes on to beat sacramento yeah sacramento just doesn't impress me this season no and it's it's more on us than it is on them like mike brown's obviously been a really good coach De'Aaron fox is an all nba caliber player Benedict Matherin I like it's just like I, I'm, I'm big I'm weirdly a big Malik Bunk guy but it's just like Sabonis is underwhelming right you want a better center he's kind of like Kirkland brand Jokic it, he's he's a, a net negative on defense he they've gotten bullied in the games they've lost they've gotten bullied by bigger teams mm-hmm. which has really hurt them so it's just like, you don't think of him as a title contender, which I think is what hurts him. And that's a big part of that is that if your best big man is Sabonis, you're probably not going to win a championship. Yeah. I, yeah, Sabonis, Sabonis has been... I, there was times last year where... There was at least a couple times where I'd cook up, like, a same game parlay on a Kings game, and Sabonis points would not hit the over. Like, it would kill me. And there was a couple times where I'd go to cook him up later in the year, like, man, Sabonis' points are really lower than you, they probably would have expected when they made that trade to bring him in just yeah, to, especially because you know, they gave up a guy who might be a future MVP candidate, which hurts. I mean, like, like yeah. I said, the, the trade right now, it's, it's too hard to say who won that trade for Halliburton Sabonis trade. But in a few years, I think it's going to end up being pretty obvious that Indiana won it. Yeah. I think over the next two years, if Indiana is able to bring in a couple more like sizable pieces, that team's going to be really freaking good. And then it will start to look clear. Uh, and like, okay, see, they just have a billion draft picks. 
Yeah. So just for fun, like you look at like the hotter teams right now, as far as like their last 10 Kings and Knicks are seven and three in their last 10. And then you got like Celtics bucks are eight and two, but my uh, God, the wolves there, buddy, you want to, you want to look at the Timberwolves there for a second no. there, bud? Well, yeah, I'm talking about teams that are in the... Well, I'm just saying, like, if we're talking about hottest teams in the NBA, maybe we should talk about the Magic and Timberwolves there, bud. And the, and the OKC Thunder, who are eating soon, Marston. Yeah, but here's the thing about the OKC Thunder, is they lost to the Timberwolves, so they're definitely a tier below, so... Yeah, I, I can't believe the Magic are number two in the East right now. Eight straight wins? Nine straight wins? Nine and one? They they were, they just lost this. They just lost last their last game. Prior to that... Okay, so back to the to make this topic around the end season tournament. Prior to that, you know what the last game they lost was? It was the opening game of the group stage against the Celtics, and that's why they missed the knockout round. The hottest team in the NBA, nine and one in their last ten, missed the knockout round because of a, a loss to the Celtics three weeks ago. Is that that uh, what is point it? differential, man? Spain to German connection. Bancaro to Wagner. Bancaro played for the U.S. FIBA team, so yeah, I was going. I'm going deep back in his roots. His roots. Yeah. Do you want to tie this into your point about the uh, point differential tiebreaker? Yeah. So there's been there's been a pretty big sticking point on this, and I don't really know where I fall. I personally kind of like the point differential tiebreaker. It added a really cool element, and I think that it'll be even better next year when teams are aware of how important it was because it felt like it didn't really start to kick in on teams in the first game how they needed to run up the score like. Point differential, the negative of it, right? It kept it kept out, it kept the magic out, who at the time at the end of the, the group stage had eight straight wins. Mm-hmm. And it kept the, currently the number one seed in the West Timberwolves out, who were the only team who had an exact zero point differential. So shout out to the Wolves. <laughs> not too high, not too low. Exactly zero. They lost Fair one enough. game and still had an exactly zero point differential. So smart me up on this. Is the point differential the first tiebreaker they go to? First tiebreaker is head-to-head. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but then, like, in, in West Group B, we had the scenario where Sacramento beat Minnesota, Minnesota beat Golden State, Golden State was going to beat Sacramento. Sacramento ends up coming back and winning that game, and that's how Sacramento makes the tournament. But it was going to be a, a thing where there was going to be three teams that were all at 3-1 and one that had beat each other in round-robin fashion. Mm-hmm. So it was going to get into to point differential. And so near the end of that game, the Kings crowd started cheering when the Kings got within 12 of the Warriors. They were still losing the game, but if they lost by less than 12, they would make it to the next round. Okay. They'd win, yeah. they'd win the, the, the group. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely on the same page as you. As long as it isn't the first tiebreaker, then I think point differential. That works. I like that. Yeah, and it gives us weird stuff. So... There's there's been a big thing where people love the Elam ending for the All-Star game, where going into the fourth quarter, there's no clock, but there's oh, yeah. a target score teams need to get to. So for those of you who don't know, basically the way it works is at the end of the third quarter, they set a target score. So say that they set the target score at 120, right? And then the team in the lead going into the third quarter has you know whatever a six point advantage going to that target score and once you hit the target score the game's over no matter how long that takes and so it it dissuades a lot of the the clock killing stuff we do like you know teams rolling the ball down the court or teams intentionally fouling 
some of those things are really annoying. And they did this in the All-Star game last year. And it was good. It was a lot of fun. And we kind of had, like, the fat-free version of that in the last games in the in-season tournament because teams knew they needed to get to certain scores to play it safe, right? Like, the the best outcome of this was Celtics-Bulls where the Celtics were up 22 and were still playing Hack-A-Drummond because they needed to maintain a pretty wide lead to ensure that they got into the in-season tournament. And it ended up with Joe Maz apologizing to Billy Donovan, which I say, coaches are getting too fucking soft, all right? First off, Joe Maz apologizing to Billy Donovan for, for playing Hack-A-Drummond. How about this, Billy Donovan? Don't put Andre Drummond on the court in the last two minutes of a basketball game. Right. And then also, a few weeks ago, with fucking Popovich getting on the mic and telling the crowd to stop booing Kawhi Leonard. Go fuck yourself, Popovich. All right. Your team's won three games and has the best draft prospect in 15 years. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. People can boo Kawhi Leonard. That guy demanded out of town and went yeah. on to win an NBA championship in a different city. The crowd has all the right in the world to boo him. Get off your fucking high horse. Like from a league standpoint, they, I feel like they want that. It increases viewership. I mean, I don't know how many people are tuning into a Spurs game in general, unless they're, you know, just want first to see week, you know, Wimby. you want to see Wimby now. Yeah, now that's, that's like, true. Wimby, Devin Fussell. Yeah, the the novelty has faded a little bit, but yeah. like they want that to be like, oh, so and so going back to his first team, bitter rivalries, and like I hate when a player comes back to one of his former teams and they like the season after they left, and the his the former team plays like a video package for all the good times. Yeah. Like, no, fuck that. You should play a video package of every time you turned over the ball or missed a game-winning shot. Like, you know what's really fun? Is when the Rangers go play in Calgary, and every time Adam Fox touches the puck for all 60 minutes, he gets booed by the entire crowd. Yeah. Or when Toronto goes to play the Islanders, and Tavares just gets booed out of the fucking building all game. That's right. fucking fun, man. It's enjoyable. I, I totally agree. I have a fun idea for the All-Star game, like a format, but I'll save it for another week. Okay. Yeah, just one last thing to burn through in the in-season tournament. And then we unfortunately got to move on to hockey here in a second. Current MVP favorites, Jason Tatum, five and a half to one. Darren Fox, six to one. Dame Lillard, six and a half to one. Giannis, uh, plus 850. Tied with Jalen Brown, plus 850. LeBron, plus 850. Kevin Durant, 11 to one. Devin Booker, 13 to one. Tyrese Halliburton, 14 to one. What this list tells me is they expect the East to win this tournament. Oh, it's for the tournament MVP. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you, you were talking you think season, season MVP. You think for the season MVP, Jalen Brown would be top five in odds? Yeah, I was. I was surprised. Like, I was a little surprised Tatum was number one. No offense. Who do you? Without looking it up right now, who do you think is number one regular season MVP? Giannis or Luca? Jokic. Oh yeah, that makes total sense. I don't know why I, I didn't. Um, I'm dumb for not not saying. Yoka, it. Is that Jokic, Luca, Embiid, Giannis, Tatum, Shea Gill. Yeah, that's your top six. That makes sense. I, I mean, is, is Halliburton in the top ten? Um, if he if he is, and Anthony Edwards isn't. Okay, Anthony Edwards is. Uh, yeah. So Shea Gill, KD, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Devin Booker. Okay, it's your top ten. That makes sense with how. The league, the season started out. That makes total sense. Oh, it's gonna be shaking my fist. Oh man, Don Mitchell's way too high on this list. That's Anyways, wild. Getting off topic here. Yeah, just <laughs> last point on that. That's wild. Like, good for you, man. Third year in the league. Wiggins is top ten MVP odds right now. Like Wiggins. 
Uh, sorry, I don't know why I always say that. Uh, yeah, that's a weird Edward. one. It is so weird. Is it, it's, is it only his third year? That can't be right, right? Look it up. I am. It was the COVID year, so you might be right. How the fuck has it only been three years? Yeah, 2020 NBA draft. What, what pick was that? So fourth year. It's his fourth year. He was number one. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, he is number one. James Wiseman, number two. LaMelo Ball, number three. And then the Timberwolves almost blew a game to the Hornets last night without Edwards or LaMelo Ball playing. So uh, that was fun. Oh, Tyrese Halliburton, number 12 in that draft, by the way. Good draft. Good draft. Yeah, was it? It's two picks in the, that... Uh... Oh, Emmanuel I mean, quickly. You know what? This was a good draft. Yeah, I mean, Zeke Naji. I like Zeke Naji. Wiseman, Tyrese Maxey? Ah, this is a fucking great draft. Yeah, I mean... Wiseman, no, but I mean, LaMelo's out all season, but I feel like the last couple of years he was good. For yeah. The Hornets. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. <laughs> Definitely the best player on that team. Obi Toppin, Denny Advia. Yeah. Devin Fassell. Shout out, Devin Fassell. This is a good draft. Yeah, that was Cole Anthony. That was like a big draft because we ended up getting what for a moment they were like my two favorite bench players for the Knicks and Toppin and quickly. <laughs> It, it's also weird. This was, you know, the first COVID draft, so it's mm-hmm. it's super. That's why we end up with Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman as the top two picks. And yeah. Edwards turned out to look great, but at the time it was like a guy who wasn't sure if he wanted to play basketball or football. He made the right choice. <laughs> All right, Mike, you want to you wanna throw out uh, just a couple quick picks here? Who, who wins each of these four individual games? So I'm going to take... You know what? I'm taking the Pacers with the upset. I'm taking Pacers. In the East, I'm going to go Pacers, Bucks. West, I will go Kings, Lakers. No. Uh, Kings. What's up? What's up? Kings, Suns. I changed that. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll just take those as the official town alone picks. Official town alone picks Pacers, Kings, Bucks, Suns. Coward. Won't, won't fight me on any of them. <laughs> I'm sure I'll talk about them in my, my League Pass watchability on next Tuesday. I'll make some some bold claims like I did this week where I called the Pelicans the most boring team in the NBA despite being like 13th in my league pass watchability rankings or something. Also right down the middle. <laughs> Just average, average, average. All right, let's take a break and then we'll uh, talk some hockey. That sounds good. When do we talk? Uh, when do we talk soccer? All right, we're back talking about some NHL hockey. Start off, Mike. My favorite event in professional hockey happened this week. Tristan Jari, goalie goal. You hear my brain start to smoke as I try to think of something funny. (laughs) (laughs) I figured I'd throw you a lifeline and just tell you what happened. Yeah, Tristan Jari scores goalie goal. Also, part of what made this one even more fun, he scores it from his own net. He doesn't like skate out into the trapezoid or anything. He just in his own net fucking flings it. Goalie goal. Which now means Tristan Jari has almost as many goals as the Penguins' power play on the season. Fun fact. I was also, I forgot to think of one, but the other day, after you put the rundown together, I was like, all right, got to think of a funny, Corey. Uh, Tristan Jari has more goals than blank. <laughs> Luckily, you were, you were at the same gimmick. So congrats on Tristan Jari. You are officially the Town Alone Tender of the Week, the award we give out every week to our best goaltender. Town Alone Tendy, Ferda. Good for you, bud. Next up, just... One of those got to talk about it things. 
Yeah. Uh, weird, weird, weird Corey Perry situation. He gets cut from the Blackhawks, clears waivers. Kyle Davidson discloses that it's a workplace matter. He was, the day he got cut, he was like at morning skate and then signing autographs for some kids and then just didn't appear in a game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, no other details except that Connor Bedard and Corey Perry both insist that Corey Perry didn't fuck Connor Bedard's mom, which is a very funny outcome from this. The two professional athletes had to go out and tell them, tell people, no, I did not have sex with someone's mom. I was seeing all like the hilarious tweets about that. And I'm so mad that no one posted the, I think we mentioned it last week, but no one posted the always sunny scene. (laughs) That'd be easy to edit, right? We could just put Bedard's face over Charlie Kelly and Corey Perry over Santa's and that. That'd be pretty easy to do. Mom, Corey? We're too late on it, mom? but that'd be super easy. Did you fuck yeah. my fucking mom, Corey Perry? Did you fuck my fucking mom? Even though it's like not true, allegedly, it's still amazing that like the GM and player and like Bedard had to address it. Yeah, Bedard's like, I'm getting sick of this. And I'm like, yeah, I would too if people were saying that someone <laughs> fucked my mom. But hey, you know what's a lot easier is if someone just come out and said what happened. Yeah, it's one of those like ve- weird, vague situations. This is, this is one of those things that can only happen in the NHL. Like, the NHL yeah. is just small enough to where they can get away with this shit. If this was the NFL and a player got cut out of the blue, the story... Like, if he got cut on Sunday, the story would be out on Monday. Absolutely. And if it didn't, talk shows would all be going after, like, Goodell and the team to, like, release what happened. And that's not... Uh, this, uh, the, the, NH, the, the NFL is the league where we somehow got... A internal security camera footage from a casino of Ray Rice knocking a girl unconscious. Mm-hmm. And then this, it's like, we don't, we don't know anything. Corey Perry came out and made a statement that he's, he's going to enter the substance abuse program, which, uh, good luck to you, Corey. I mean, mm-hmm. but we still know it. Like, Kyle Davidson very particularly came out and said that it was a workplace matter involving an employee of the team. I mean, so unless unless Corey Perry was snorting coke off someone's hard cock, I really don't know <laughs> how those two things line up. You think he was doing dick dingers? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't bring up someone doing something with someone's cock in the Blackhawks. I just don't think it's... <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That is, that's a very good point. <laughs> not not good territory. But I mean, maybe like it was a situation where whatever happened, Corey Perry is also going through an issue right now. So it just lines up. But yeah, wish the best doing body shots off of Connor Bedard's mom. And that's where everyone kind of got confused. I mean, like possibly I just, I just want to know if Connor Bedard's mom factored into this. That's really the question we have to ask here. People deserve to know. So anyways, you know, uh, good luck to Corey Perry. Unless you did something really fucked up, then go fuck yourself. Corey Perry. One of the two. Yeah, bad Corey Perry. Bad. Bad Corey Perry or good luck Corey Perry. Definitely one of those two places. Yeah. It's also not... I mean, Corey Perry uh, has had a great career, but it's also like a vet who I think is on what? Like a one or two year contract? Pr- pretty low. Yeah, I think it was a one year deal. Yeah, just to kind of... I think it was... Part of it was supposed to be like mentor Connor Bedard, but... They brought in uh, a, a guy that... I or they So Vancouver... Well, just to, to next topic on our rundown is the Nikita Zadorov trade. Yeah. Vancouver, to make space for that trade, had to waive Anthony Bavillier. Mm-hmm. And the Blackhawks signed him, and now he's playing on the top line with Connor Bedard. And I get it. They lost Taylor Hall and Corey Perry, who were supposed to be like 
the two guys mentoring him. I actually really like Anthony Bavillier playing with Bedard. I get it. Like Bedard doesn't have a guy who's going to put pucks in the neck next to him now, mm-hmm. but now he has a guy who can hold it down on defense for the forward group while he gets to just be, you know, a, a top tier offensive skate with the puck kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, Bedard's not like Blackhawks aren't winning anything this season. So yeah. So bring in, a, bring in a guy that can play some stout defense next to Bedard, maybe teach him stuff out spacing and getting your your stick in lanes and things like i don't know i like i like anthony bavillier on the top line with with bedard that's a lot of fun yeah like it's not a great actual strategy but i would just plant bedard at the blue line every time they were in their own zone waiting for an an outlet pass to just go (laughs) kind of like you'll you'll see mcdavid do sometimes where he just keeps trying to take off yeah he's waiting for someone to creep in to pick the puck off Mm -hmm. yeah uh now by the way since since the taylor hall injury and the Corey perry mom fucking anthony bavillier Connor Bedard, Philip Khrushchev. That's your top line in Chicago. Khrushchev's another uh, young guy for Chicago, right? Or am I yeah. thinking of someone else? Yeah. Uh, at least I think he is. Let me see. I'll pull it up. Uh, yeah, 24. Okay. Yeah, that's not young anymore. That's not young. It's younger than uh, it's younger than Joe Burrow was when he entered the league. Oh man, you ever look at like the bottom lines in Chicago? Not pretty. Nick Foligno, third line left wing. That's another vet they brought in to mentor yeah. a young team. Well, why don't you occasionally play him with Bedard then, guys? Yeah. But Anyways, I like the... This is not the uh, this is not the Chicago Black Hops line breakdown podcast. Yeah. I like the Zadorov trade for Vancouver. I hate the Zadorov trade. Let's get into this. So Nikita Zadorov goes to the Canucks for a 24-5th and a 26-3rd. Vancouver, to make enough cap room for Zadorov, waves Anthony Pavillier. Calgary reportedly turned down a package from Toronto. We don't really know if it was better or worse, but they turned down a package from Toronto because it would include retaining some of Zadorov's pay. I can't imagine that package was worse than a 24-5th and a 26-3rd. Yeah, well, why would they be like, we're not retaining pay on a guy? He's making $3.75 million this year, and he that's the end of the contract. It's the end of the contract, right? Like, unless they said, and you can only retain up to 50, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they were, they just offered a completely dog shit package. But Vancouver offered him a dog shit package, and they accepted it. Mm-hmm. I hate this trade for Vancouver. Really? I don't get it at all, man. Do you, I mean? Do you want to make the case? Is it? Is this like a just Vancouver needs more defense kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, you can never have like too much depth, especially if they're making the playoffs this year. So, I mean, I like it. There's he has. I mean, not the biggest. But he has, he can contribute some offensively. He's obviously, you know, he's a very aggressive defenseman as far like in his own zone. Like he will, he will lay the body, lay the boom, bring the lumber. Um, very physical was the word I was looking for. So I mean, I just yeah, I think that that's a good move that fits. And also, you know, it's not like third and a fifth in the NHL. Fine, <laughs> like that's yeah. cool. Whatever. I just, so my thing with it is, I get it. They didn't pay anything for him, right? Mm -hmm. But they have to play him now, right? And like, they have to play him out of position. Because he's, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's a left-handed defenseman. Mm -hmm. And they have, like, they're pretty stacked on the left side. Or for left-handed defensemen already? I mean, Quinn Hughes, Ian Cole, Tyler Myers. 
are all left-handed defensemen. So they're, they're either going to have to play him out of position or play someone else out of position. Yeah, but Zadorov can play the right. So He's playing the right in Calgary, but still, like... Or, sorry, he can, but I also think the left is where he'll be playing because I think they're going to put him with Heronik, who's on the right. Would, so are they bumping Quinn Hughes out of their top pairing, then? Because Quinn Hughes oh, is playing with Heronik. That's right. I forgot Heronik's been with Quinn Hughes. But, I mean, then you can stick him with Myers as well. Yeah, I, that that one makes at least more sense. But still, it, it's just I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I also think that it's it's building against what makes this team good. Mm-hmm. This team doesn't need physicality and someone to play '90s style blue line hockey. I guess not '90s, early 2000s style blue line hockey. Yeah, they're on a scoring heater to end all scoring heaters with a goalie heater to end all goalie heaters. Fucking lean into it, man. Yeah, I know we're kind of off this point of it, but. I would also like Zadorov on the third pair, to be honest. <laughs> but isn't uh, that it's Tyler Myers not the third pair in Vancouver? Is he playing second pair? I'd have to look that up. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, I'd have to look up what their their latest lines are. But I think you're good. Like Here, good teams are going to have at least one solid defenseman. Oh, I think it works. I out. totally miss this. You know what really helps them? What? I didn't know this. Uh, Carson Susie's on the IR. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's been on there for a minute, too. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I mean, that definitely makes it like it a little bit better. I guess they did need some some defensemen. Yeah, I mean, I think it it gives them depth. They make the playoffs this year. He doesn't perform, whatever. We're not going to resign you. They may not resign him anyway. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't carry any kind of, like, cap, real cap. Any kind of real cap imp, imp, implications. Do you need a coffee, too, there, brother? I don't know what I need. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's... I think it's a good trade for Vancouver. Hey, do you know who uh, drafted Nikita Nikita Zadorov? The Russian military. Maybe possibly. And also uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Speaking of the Buffalo Sabres, you want to talk about someone else who's not currently on the Sabres? Yeah, let's get into this. Patty Kane, brother. Patty Kane signs with Detroit. The Detroit Red Wings. The hometown guy doesn't get quite all the way back to home. Mike, uh, how are you feeling about this, Mike? Feeling good? Feeling bad? Feeling bad about this, Mike? I just don't get it. What's not to get? He wants to win, Mike. All, all around, I just don't get the deal. One, it so it's I mean, he's 35, I understand, coming off a, a hip hip surgery, but one year, 2.75. Like there was no term on it. So he must have really just been like Sabres are playing like shit early in the year, so. I'm going to go to Detroit, who's playing good. But it ties into my other, like, I really think Yeiserman in the offseason, right after the year ends, he sets up a NHL franchise and makes sure it's set up exactly how the real league is set up right now, and then just sims it <laughs> to see what moves he should make. Like, he just continues to make, like, I don't, I do not get what his plan is. Like, he just keeps being like, yeah, throw that guy in there. See what happens. Like, this isn't a generally very young team. Like, Debrinkit, 25. Uh, I almost said Clem Costin. I almost said uh, Clem Costin, 24, but <laughs> that doesn't really factor in. Uh, and then they have Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond. Dylan Larkin's not young. How old's Dylan Larkin? Like, 28? Uh, he's, he's 30. Early. He's there. Early. Th- I must say early 30s. He might be 29 going on 30, though. So don't quote me on that. 27. Bullshit. I just pulled it up. 27. 
feel like he feels he feels older. He's one of those but, guys who's been in the NHL forever. Yeah, he's in the NHL for a minute. But then, like, you have Lucas then, Raymond, like said, oh, Cedar, Lucas Raymond, and then you have like yeah, he's Cedar, and you have Michael Rasmussen who's twenty four. But I just don't. Their forward group is just so weird to me, and I feel like it's just one good line. And maybe they think, like, I imagine Patty Kane's going to the second line. I imagine he's going to the third. The third line. Yeah. Wow. I think he's third line, second power play unit. He's depth, man. He's 35. He's just got, he got a hip surgery that no one in NHL history has been able to come back for and play through. He could fall down, but I bet you first game will be on the second line. No way. He's going to be playing with Andrew Kopp on the third line. No, I, I think he's going to be second line. So you think he supplants Rasmussen? He's not knocking Debrinket down. No, not at all. Like I think the Larkin Debrinket Raymond line it's set. It's not changing. It's their best line. It. I mean, Larkin well, they've had been, a, they've been playing uh, Debrinket on their second line with JT Comfer as the center. Have they? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. It's always better to to spread out your top players. So I, I mean. Edmonton tries to do it, but they fail because their roster is shit. Here we go again. Can't talk about anything without going back to the Oilers. But, like, it... Oh, wow. The Detroit... With this move, Detroit finally is low in the cap space. 2.9. Man, they can only sign one more Nikita Zadorov. <laughs> one more Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, I just... I think it's a weird move. And then also for someone who wanted to see Patty Kane at least play one season in Buffalo, I just don't know how... He must have. I think he must have really been looking at how the two teams are playing and passed on it because I don't know how the Sabers couldn't have. At first, I was like, when I saw the news, Kane signs with Red Wings. Before I saw the contract, I was like, oh, he wanted term, you know, at least uh, like two years or something, and the Sabers wouldn't do it um, because of extensions starting to kick in and their cap space is going to be shrinking. But then I was like, one year? Well, you couldn't have offered him three million. Like that, so it well, had to have been. That's the question because there's people out there that believe that Patty Kane was offered more to go to Buffalo and chose to go to Detroit. Yeah, I mean that that lines up exactly with what I think went down. So I mean, part of me wants to say fuck you, Patty Kane. <laughs> we have a lot of injuries, and once we get healthy, uh, we're going to be better than the Red Wings, and you're going to be sorry. It's going to be too late in the season, though. Patty Kane doesn't have time to fuck around, man. I know he's 35. He might die soon. <laughs> yeah, any day now. By the time by the time Buffalo gets confident, they're already at a 14.2 percent chance to make the playoffs, according to Money Puck. Yeah, I mean it's Detroit. Not like Detroit's all the way up at 72.2 percent. I mean, he definitely didn't make this decision on. Definitely didn't factor in goalie performance because neither team has good goalie. Lukanen's actually had really good games. Alex Lyons in his last five games. Yeah. Oh, he's 952. Yeah, you are right. And goaltending's down across the board. Philly Huso hasn't been bad. I don't know. It's Buffalo, I think Buffalo got so hurt by having a spike year last year where everyone went, well, now they're ready. Yeah, that was I heard a they similar take on Yeah, the they, they didn't have a goalie set. Tate Thompson scored out of his fucking mind all season. You still have prospects coming up in the pipeline that are going to be contributors to when your team's really good. Yeah. You were talking the first year of Owen Power at a position that notably players aren't very good in their first year, outperforming expectations. 
is there's just there's a, a lot to still be solved for the Sabres roster. I think that right now, last year we saw them outperform expectations. This year they're underperforming expectations. They're somewhere in the middle of these two things. But Detroit, this Detroit team seems real. They have a good mix of high-quality veterans and really good young players that are starting to get better and better, especially you look at someone like uh, Lucas Raymond, who had a really good rookie year and has been down, 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 and this year has started to to trickle back up a little bit. Dylan Larkin, who they signed to like be the con or be the the uh, franchise guy and has been performing up to that. They get to bring it in the trade. JT Comfer as their second line center. Andrew Kopp as their third line center. They're getting good goaltending from kind of no name guys. This I this Detroit team seems more legit right now than Buffalo does, and I think that Buffalo will probably be better than Detroit in a few years. I think I like Buffalo's pipeline a little bit better. I like their young guys a, bit, a little bit better. But if I'm a 35-year-old right now, I want to play on the team that's winning games. Yeah, and, and that's fair because he would like to get back to the playoffs and try to have some success as his career wraps up. But And, and the Sabres are approaching being back in the exact situation we saw him last year. I think they'll get healthy and the offense is shown some upticks in some games recently and there's going to be back i mean they let they got six goals scored on in the last two games like we're back to not having a goalie um and the other thing that we definitely should have settled down on is i know levi late in the season played some games and he looked good but goaltending development is a process (laughs) and we should not have thought he was going to come in the league in his second year so young and just be a dominant starting goalie. So my bad, Levi. We definitely put too much on you. All right. We'll close the book on the Buffalo talk there. I had a couple other topics we were going to hit, but they have come somewhat out of date. Uh, the Canucks regression, they want, ended up winning. So their regression looks really? a little bit softer. Bruins regression, they ended yeah. up winning their last two games straight. So that regression looks a little bit softer. So probably just going to skip over that a little bit. We already touched on the Canucks anyways. And, you know, the Bruins are going to Bruin. They beat... Toronto in overtime last night and then shut out the Sharks the game before that. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do? We are now 25% of the way through the season. Figured it was a good time to check in on the major awards. Now we went ahead and pulled up the odds on this. And there's no odds on the Selkie for whatever reason. Probably because it's a random award. They just award randomly. So we're not talking Selkie. We'll talk the other major awards. So, Mike, starting off, the most majorest of all awards, the Lady Bing Award. Who do you think is the most gentlemanly player this year? Um, most gentlemanly, I'm going to say it's probably Brad Marchand because he probably says, uh, thank you, sir, or how are you doing today, sir, when he cheap shots somebody. It's very polite. I think, we, I think they should give this out to, like, a fourth liner. Just really, really hammer the gentlemanly part. Like, give it to fucking Daniel Sprong. Are fourth liners gentlemanly? I think most fourth liners they look for players who are gonna you know you're stuck in the past mike fourth liners play with skill now i mean that's true when i think good fourth liners names aren't coming to mind but i feel like the lightning always well, have because really... how would you how would you figure out who a good fourth liner is that's kind well, of ridiculous. no i was just gonna say I was I... like who's the best 12th man in the nba <laughs> no i'd have to go back and look at it but i feel like the uh the lightning during their run always had someone good on the fourth line Corey perry for his fucking moms <laughs> Corey perry and Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking moms, man. They should they should hang out. Or not. That might actually be bad for the world. Yeah. All right. Now, for real. Start off for the tippity-toppityest award. 
Hart Trophy going to the best player in the league, by which I, of course, mean the best center in the league. Here are your top odds so far. Connor McDavid, plus 340. Jack Hughes, plus 460, which is surprising because he missed a chunk of time. David Pasternak, plus 470. Nikita Kucherov, plus 650. Austin Matthews, plus 800. And Elias Pettersson, 14 to 1. Who's your favorite from that list right now, Mike? I didn't. It's tough to pick one favorite. I mean, you got your usual suspects, Cooch, Pasta, etc. Who are, I'm not saying like... You said your usual suspects and then didn't say McDavid. Is he he's even... Oh, he is, yeah. Why yeah, is he not? Number I one in odds. Because he he's Connor McDavid. That's why he's number one. Yeah, I think like Cooch and Pasta make sense. Like their name value lines up with how... It also lines up with how they're playing this year. I feel like McDavid's having a down year. So there's a lot. And people think, oh, he'll just turn it on and then he'll be yeah tearing up the, the stat sheet, which people who vote in this i feel like look at box score and and like basic numbers a lot um i would love a hughes and hughes at the award show jack hughes and quinn hughes would be a lot of fun yeah we talked about that a few weeks ago how much fun especially if we could somehow get a hughes hughes and hughes if luke hughes could turn it on and win the calder somehow yeah that's probably not happening but that'd be a lot of fun that'd be awesome and then my only like possible hot take i don't know and i know it's been a long time since the defenseman won one but mccarr should at least be in this conversation or somewhere in the top 10 of, of voting when it all scratches out. Uh, uh, he is currently sitting at eighth. See, like he, to one. the year he's having after having last year, it wasn't a bad year by any stretch. It would be the best year for many defenses. And many defensemen league would be the best year of their career, but he's just been a monster this year. He's, he's third in points in the league. Um, he leads D men and expected goals, takeaways, assists per 60 points per 60 on ice goal differential is as a uh, 30 for on ice goal differential, which is just like a, a fancy plus minus way of saying plus minus. Um, and his on ice goal percentage is 70.3%, which is a better statistic than um, goal diff. But he's having such a great year. And I know defensemen never win this thing. Like you said, it's basically a center award or occasionally we'll get a winger randomly like a Taylor Hall. But I really hope McCarr finishes high in the voting he's currently tied with quinn hughes those are your top two defensemen they're both 22 to one yeah and a lot of when i was looking at mccarr's numbers a lot of them are like either like mccarr than hughes or there's some that are like hughes than mccarr like they're just playing phenomenal this year who's your who's your pick mike i think the the devils as i said last year they're starting to play better or not last year last week they're starting to play a lot better and getting going and i i think we could see breakout year not breakout year but first mvp year the young stud jack hughes yeah i think it, it probably ends up going to jack hughes or Pasternak if the bruins continue this outrageous run after losing bergeron i think that they they'll just say well we got to give it to someone on the bruins i definitely don't think i definitely don't think mcdavid or matthews wins like no matter what mcdavid does that team has a 47.1 percent chance of making the playoffs right now if they miss the playoffs you can't give them the heart i get it it's about most valuable player not team success mm-hmm. But it's just such a bad look if you go. This guy was best player in the league. Also, the team missed the playoffs. Yeah, it's the same thing with NFL MVP. I mean, team success fa- factors in. Yeah. I, it, every year, the NFL MVP is one of the top two seeds. Yeah. Same thing with NBA. I mean, occasionally you'll get a weird Russell Westbrook one, but it's like, who is the best player on the one seed? Is usually the NBA award. Yeah. And a name I just want to throw out, he's not going to win it, but I think he'll have like, he might get some votes somewhere and probably have his best finish in that category this year sam reinhardt's having just like a career season right now he's second the in top guy on the panthers he's not even the top guy in the panthers 
in overall points? No, in MVP odds. In MVP odds, okay. What, who's the top? Is it Matty Gachuk? No, it's Barkov. Oh. <laughs> That's a name value one. That is a name value one. But he's if, second if in goals. You, if you talk about, if you're just talking about Panthers, Barkov is uh, 10 to 1. Sorry, 100 to 1. Matty Kachuk is 200 to 1. And Sam Reinhardt's not even on the list. Man, that's a shame. I mean, the Rhino is second in goals in the league, 67.3% on ice goal percentage. He's third in high danger unblocked shots. Like, he's really driving a lot of that offense in uh, Florida this year, who are having a better season than I predicted they would have going into it. So, someone who's like in the Florida media who has a vote in this thing, give Ryan Hart like a third place vote or something. Get him on the board. Come on. He's not even, you can't even bet him for Rocket Richard. Really? Second goals. Yeah, he's not on here. That's fucking wild, dude. You can bet Cole Caulfield for Rocket Richard. Can't bet. You can bet fucking Timo Meyer and Sebastian Ajo. Real quick, I know we're not talking about this award. Um, you think Besser pulls that off? Um, God, I would absolutely love that, but no, probably not. Yeah, I mean, he was, he's only got a, a one goal lead right now on Reinhardt and Matthews, who are 17 to 16 for both of them, and Matthews has played three fewer games. Yeah, I mean, the bet's always on Matthews until proven differently. All right, you gotta gotta move on. Dragging our feet a little bit. Uh, next right. up, probably the easiest one we'll we'll pick here. Mm-hmm. The Calder Trophy currently Bedard minus two seventy, Logan Cooley eight and a half to one, Luke Hughes twelve to one, Adam Fantilli thirty five to one, Pavel Minyakov thirty five to one, and Leo Carlson thirty eight to one. Props to the the Ducks on having two players in the top six. Yeah, this this is awards already Bedard's to lose, right? He's gonna have so. a forty goal seventy point rookie season. Yeah, um, I'm shocked to hear that. I mean, I'm not sure how many games he's played so far this season. Maybe that's not why he's been included. I'm shocked to hear Joseph Wall's name. Not he's seventh. Like, seventh. Okay. Yeah, he's he's playing, forty to one. He's been playing really good. Yeah, yeah. He's if if you were gonna give it out to a goalie, he would have to be the goalie this season. Yeah, I mean, I basically wrote out two things. I wrote stop it, it's Bedard, <laughs> and then I wrote Joseph Wall question mark. Uh, who do you think is the top Faber on this list? Um, Benson, for sure. Devin Levi. Well, that aged poorly. <laughs> 100 to 1. Uh, Dane Wright's or, on here, too, at 100 to 1. Yeah. They, they, got, they got past that kid on the uh, Preds, and we're just like, hmm. yeah, everyone else is 100 to 1. When every, was every that other updated? I don't know. That, that's a good question. Why? I just, I'm, I'm shocked that that's how it is. But no, you are... Oh, this Vegas 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 Insider, which was just updated, I know at least of yesterday, um, has Joseph Wall plus twenty five hundred. Is that what you had? No, I said he's forty to one on FanDuel right now. Forty one on FanDuel, and then they have yeah Devin Levi plus three thousand, and uh, where's Fantilli on FanDuel? He is thirty five to one. Okay, and then the last thing, sorry, I I plus plus uh, thirty five hundred, not thirty five to one. Okay. And then the last one I'll ask, yeah, because Vegas Insider has them at plus 1,400. Um, and then the last one I will ask you is just Carlson. I didn't hear you say his name, Leo. 
Yeah, you're not even listening to me when I talk anymore, man. You talk Leo, fast sometimes. Leo Carlson's six. He's plus 3,800. Okay. I ain't fucking listening, man. Just out, no, out doing your own thing. Yeah, but it's Bedard. Like I said, 40 goal, 70 point season. Lost Corey Perry. Lost Taylor Hall. Still going to end up with a 70 point rookie season. Yeah. All right, next up, we got the Vezina trophy that goes to the goaltender on the best team. No. Pretty sure it does. No. Currently, your odds, Thatcher Dimko, plus 450. Jake Ottinger, 7 to 1. Ilya Sorokin, plus 750. Igor Shesterkin, 8 to 1. Aiden Hill, 8 to 1. And Connor Hellebuck, 8.5 to 1. In my opinion, this is going to be Aiden Hills. It should absolutely be Aiden uh, Hills. To lose. Yeah. Yeah. Having him having him fifth in odds right now is ridiculous. That's that's straight up move, bitch, get out the way, ludicrous. Uh, just a couple of quick stats: twelve point six goal save above expected, um, on an expected goals against of thirty eight. Add into that the team success and the fact that the Golden Knights are currently fifth in high danger shots against and twenty second in defensive goal giveaways. So yeah, and last time I checked, and it's been a couple of days since I checked this, but. If you just want to talk counting stats, last time I checked, he was at a 9.36 and a 1.87 GAA. If you just like yeah. pure non-analytics, just counting stats. I mean, the guy, the guy is playing out of his fucking mind. Yeah, and with the way the Knights have played, or you know, a quarter of the way through the season, they have left him out to have to face some really tough shots, and he's just playing phenomenal. Now, that that's your Demko, I think, will be the guy giving him a the uh, a run for his money down the stretch. Yeah, and it should it should really be a two horse race right now. I can't like it's just complete name value that Ottinger, Sorokin, and Shesterkin are above Aiden Hill right now. There's no other explanation for it. Yeah, and then one other name, just want to throw it out there. It's not going to happen. But old man Camp Talbot is having a phenomenal year, but he is helped by a Kings team that is just playing such great, well well rounded hockey and not putting him in bad situations. Yeah, Camp Talbot currently plus thirteen hundred. I will also say UC Soros is plus 1,600. That is a name value one. He has not been playing well. Absolutely. Maybe FanDuel just doesn't update these odds very often, which means, hey, if you want to go bet, stay aligned. Go check out FanDuel. All right. Next up, let's let's talk a little Norris trophy. For the defenseman with the most points in the NHL, I got sick jokes for all these awards, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) Current odds, Quinn Hughes, plus 155. Kale McCarp, two to one. Rasmus Dahlin, way back at plus 1,500. So that's a huge drop between two and three, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, Mira Heiskanen, plus 1,500. Victor Hedman, plus 1,800. And Charlie McAvoy, plus 2,200. Two-horse race right now. Yeah, absolutely. Two-horse race. And you have to you have to think that this is just going to end up being awarded to Quinn Hughes because they're sick of giving it to Kale McCarr. Yeah, this is, like I say sometimes, that, you know, the whole... I mean, we already gave it to him once. We can't just keep giving it to him. So. Yeah, it's like when they gave Hakeem the, the MVP over Jordan in the yeah. 90s. Absolutely. Uh, McCarr's playing phenomenal. Luke Hughes, just unreal. So it's definitely going to be one of, one of those two in the end. I mean, And those, not... those are the two best players on their team, too. And these are, these are two of the top-performing regular season teams right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's so much a, a two-person race that the only thing barring one of these two guys from winning it is going to be injury. Yeah, and we know that the voters for this award love 
a defenseman with the, the points. So Makar and Quinn Hughes currently lead defenseman with 34 points apiece. Yeah, but I think I think uh, Quinn Hughes has a game in hand, doesn't he? Two games in hand. Yeah, two games in hand. There you go. So. I mean, Makar leads, like you said, Makar leads the league or is currently tied for the league in points, far ahead in expected goals, but is second in odds. I, I would love Quinn Hughes to get it because I walked into the season with a huge bag slung over my shoulder of Vancouver priors where I've decided that Vancouver was going to be a great regular season team. And I've proven to be the smartest man in hockey media because Vancouver is a great regular season team. Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in hockey and it's not close. Absolutely. This, um, this should be McCarr's award every year until he dips. This should be like LeBron in 2007. It's the, the, the gap between Kale McCarr and whoever you want to throw out there as the number two defenseman in the league right now is a wide enough gap to where we should just pencil in McCarr until proven differently. Yeah. And, we often talk about with these awards, like impact you have on the game. And like you said, like take McCarr, McCarr and Hughes are the most important players on this team. Take them out and, and they're in trouble. And secondary assists are dumb, but of, so I want to point out that of McCarr's 27 assists, 15 are primary. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. McCarr isn't padding stats mm-hmm. by passing a guy to pass as a guy. McCarr, he, he drives the offense. He drives the offense on the power play. He's a good defensive player. You know, you were hammering that drum a few years ago during the Avs mm-hmm. cup run. McCarr, McCarr is just, it, like, it, he's, he's the only guy you can even put in the conversation is like, is this guy as good as McDavid? McCarr's so fucking good at hockey, man. Yeah. All right, last award hitting here. Jack Adams Award. This is voted on by the NHL Broadcast Association, which means it's the dumbest award because who cares what broadcasters think of who the best or the best coach is. Current odds, Rick Tockett, five and a half to one. Peter Laviolette, 10 to one. Bruce Cassidy, plus 1,100. Todd McClellan, plus 1,200. Derek Lalonde, plus 1,200. Peter DeBoer, plus 1,500. What was the first name you said? Rick Tockett. Okay, that is correct. I thought for a second I thought you didn't say his name. I was like, that is wild. Here's here's my plea with the NHL Broadcasters Association. I know I just badmouthed you, but here's my plea. Can you please not give this award to an old-timey, been-around-forever coach who's just got on a weird heater? Can we not give this to Rick Tockett or Peter Laviolette? Those guys, those guys have been in and out of the league for a chunk of time now. Just give it to a guy who's actually shown he's improved teams that he's coached for, or a new guy who's just coming up in the league. I mean, Rick Tockett has drastically re- improved a team that he's coached for. Okay. Do you really feel like Vancouver's improved? I know I'm the Vancouver guy, and we just talked about that. Vancouver's underlying stats are not good. They're just having... It would be like giving it to David Hackstall last year. Like, this is this is a team that's on a luck bender that cannot be matched right now. But if that luck bender continues throughout the season, I mean, I think... I think Tockett wins it. I mean, going back to last year after he took over, they went 2012 and four. I mean, and also he's the only current 19th in expected goals, by the way. Yeah. He's only coached eight years total. I mean, is that he for had, three different teams though. It is. Yeah. He was in uh, Tampa from 08 to 2010. And then he uh, was out of the league for like seven seasons. Then he came back, was with Arizona for, Four years, and then Vancouver, part of last year, and then this season. Uh, I agree 
Like, I hated having to write his name down. So I just don't want to see Peter Laviolette win it at all. <laughs> but he's got the Rangers leading their division and playing really well. Um, other than that, I had down Bruce Cassidy. I think it's not crazy. Sometimes we see like a team win a championship. And then when they come out next year and are crushing it and have a great record, that's when they win coach of the year. Yeah. And also with Bruce Cassidy, he showed when he was coaching for the Bruins that he was capable of coaching a team that was constructed around veteran presence. And then when he moved over and started coaching Vegas, it was like, okay, this team has like a vocal leader in Mark Stone, but there's there's not like a Patrice Bergeron on ice presence. And he came over and started coaching and immediately, A, the goaltending turned supernatural. And B, Jack Eichel stepped it up from being a very good guy to a guy who had an argument for the con Smythe. I personally would love for Derek Lalonde to win this. I think Detroit's been playing exceedingly well. It's his first season on the job there, I believe. I can double check that. But uh, it's just, just give it, give it, give it to someone who's not Peter Laviolette more than anything. But maybe also not Rick Tockett. I agree, and he just won it last year. But you do have to give props considering how that roster changed and how I think people expected them to come down more than they have. Jim Montgomery's having mm-hmm. a great year again. He he won it last year uh, for the Bruins. I was just curious. Last year's three finalists were Montgomery, who wound to win, Dave Haxtell, and my boy. Lindy Ruff. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. See, the, the Dave Haxtall would be if Rick Tockett won it this year. Yeah. Is he like the, uh, in the NFL, how they always give it to like, like they gave it to like Brian Dabble or Kevin Stefanski and then the next year went to shit? Yeah. 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 This, I mean, that's Haxtall last year and that's Tockett next year. Like, would you be surprised if next year Vancouver ends up with like 91 points and misses the playoffs? Um, yeah, I guess because they're such a high PDO team this year, there's there's a chance they're Kraken's two they're Kraken two point from last year. Yeah, yeah. Even though Kraken, the teams are also constructed very differently. So I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I was going. The last name I just wanted to throw out there is is Bednar in Colorado. I mean, they kind of had a down year last year, and they're back to top of their division. And I think if they finish the year with like a, a really great great record, kind of like when. How many times has Kerr won it for, the, for the NBA? Really? I think so. I'll double check that. That, that seems wild. Uh, yep. Once. 2015-2016. When they set the record for most regular season wins. You think these, <laughs> these awards should be voted on after the playoffs? Yeah, because Tom Thibodeau's won it twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Enough said on that. Here's, here's real quick. I just, I know we're talking about hockey, but I just want to, I want I got to run through this real quick. All right. So since Steve Kerr, right? Steve Kerr wins it in 15, 16, mm-hmm. 16, 17, Mike D'Antoni for the Houston Rockets canned 17, 18, Dwayne Casey for the Toronto Raptors canned. He actually got canned before they awarded him the award. Yeah. Awkward. 18, 19, Mike Budenholzer canned Nick nurse, 2019, 2020 canned Tom Thibodeau, New York Knicks still there. 21-22, Monty Williams for the Phoenix Suns, canned. Last year, Mike Brown. So there's two coaches that are still coaching for the same team since they won it, since Steve Kerr won it. Yeah. The only one I'll say was, like, the Nick Nurse 
firing last year felt more like, hey, we're just going to turn a new chapter. Oh, I mean, the Nurse and Budenholzer firings both were like, the fuck are you guys doing here? Yeah. So. Also, Budenholzer and Tom Thibodeau have both won it twice, but for separate teams each time. And Mike Brown, turns out. Mike Brown won it way back in 08, 09. That's a fun fact, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, did you have uh, any more hockey thoughts? Anything else you wanted to, to touch on before you get out of here? No, just Sabres, please turn it around. Oh, and my my last thing was I meant to mention this during the basketball podcast or portion. Is it weird that when I shoot things into a trash can, I yell Kobe, but then when I make it, I do the mellow three to the dome? <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit weird. Is Is your version of that, do you yell Kobe, and then if you make it, you pull a, a Kevin Garnett and just start banging your head into things? <laughs> Does uh, Edwards have, have a thing yet? Yeah, he wins games. That's his thing. <laughs> That's his important thing. Good yeah. point. <laughs> All right, Mike, you want to you wanna hit your plugs? Yeah, as always, the most consistent thing is not consistent when I get it done, but consistent that it comes out every week. My college football on Saturday column did a two-parter last week, probably back to a one-parter this week, just looking at how the conference titles went, went seven and three in my bets, cha-ching, and kind of taking a look at the final CFP rankings and who gets in. Uh, committee better put Bama in or they're a bunch of stupid cowards. Yeah, and you can you can check out my League Pass watchability rankings. I talked about them a couple of times, but, you know, go look at them. They're on the townland.com. Pinned to the front page, easy to find. You can read Team Talent Alone. It went up on Saturday this week covering Montez Sweat since his trade to the Bears and Jordan Love since his ascension starting in week nine. You can also park it on this podcast feed. We got another show coming out on Monday, reviewing week 13 of NFL action. Another one on Thursday, previewing week 14. I'm sure we'll talk some college football in there, seeing as how we're getting to the end game in college football. Besides that, you can follow us at you can follow Mike at, at Talent Alone Mike. You can follow me at, at Talent Alone Adam. Follow Mike if you want to actually like read fun tweets and enjoy stuff. Follow me if you just want to know what shit we're posting on the site, because that's always up there. Mike, don't we have Wrestle Dream coming up pretty soon? Shouldn't we have another predictions article before too long? Yeah, I think it's a, a couple weeks away. I don't know how many matches are actually announced per usual with AEW, but yeah, it's, it's coming up. It's around mid to late December. You should also probably do something about CM Punk, right? Yeah, I, every time I think about doing a CM Punk article, I I just get so many thoughts and points rushed to my brain, I get a little overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, we'll figure out something. We'll figure out some way to talk about CM Punk as yeah. we did at the start of this podcast. Uh, fuck, I, I always forget the outro for this podcast. What do I say at the end of this podcast? I don't know if we have one. 